I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. You don't give birth to a ten-year-old. You give birth to a to a small baby, and and day by day, you just take the challenges that come come your way, and and it grows into something big. So that, that's the same thing with, with the developments I took on. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum. And in this episode, we continue the conversation with Mark Rubusky, who runs a successful buyer's agency in South Bank, Melbourne, and offers a range of options for property investors, including development. Find out how you can start simple, then grow and build on your developments. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. For Rybarski, his fears and his lack of faith in real estate industry held him back at the start of his journey. I actually hadn't had a big belief in, in real estate. Uh, coming into it, even though my dad was quite the opposite, and he he kind of pressured me into doing that, and and he'd helped me, you know, help me with financing the property and actually selecting a builder to to, to um to build the property for me, and then also helping me find tenants and and, and manage the property. So, um, you know, I I just had a big disbelief, a big fear factor back then, um, of you know the, the market crashing. Just it's pretty much just what you'd read on any newspaper site right now. It's all it's always about how the market's either booming or busting. Uh, and those fears really crippled me as a, as a young investor uh, until I realised, you know, I had seen the market, the capital growth in, in, in minor booms back then and the kind of money that was generated from, you know, in my father's wealth, um, purely just, just from the market moving up, you know, 10, 20, 30% over a number of years um, was more money than you could ever save. Um, you know, once you start actually working and realise how hard it is just to save $1,000, um, you realise, you know, this is this is a serious way to generate generate wealth, um, and that was that was really, you know, just breaking through that 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 mindset of of failing uh, and, and the market crashing um, was was once I kind of got past that, it kind of just set me free, and I was able just to fly and just, uh, you know, start buying properties and, and doing everything I was doing in the sense of developing and 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 growing 
growing well. Initially, he didn't have a mentor. He credits magazines as the primary source of his inspiration in his earlier years. I guess in my early 20s, it was just like just like any, any kind of budding investor. Every time I took a flight somewhere or any, anywhere I had a bit of a trip on, I would, I would basically you know, go to the news agency or the, uh, at the airport and buy those investor mags and, and have a whole bunch of them and read, read, those, read those magazines. And they're full of success stories on how people have succeeded in real estate. Um, and that, that's something that, that really inspired me. I'd been to a couple of seminars here and there, read a few books, but nothing, nothing that does actually stand out in the sense of, you know, I'm going to follow this person or they're going to give me constructive feedback. It was more around just, um, just, just getting in there and making mistakes and, 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 and just, just being proactive in that industry. Um, when I started out, things were, you know, a lot cheaper and obviously, Making mistake, making mistakes when when things are you know there isn't so much money on the line is a lot easier to recover from, um, and you know in the in this kind of market when your entry level property is, is close to a million dollars, you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to kind of you know fluff around and and, and make a kind of a, an average move. It has to be an excellent move every time. So luckily, you know, right place, right time for me, and and right price uh, to be able to go in and out of markets and 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 have a play with different types of investments. Rubarski has faced some setbacks but strongly believes in the importance of not letting negative thinking get in the way of pursuing your goals. It's just a matter of just just taking that first step. There is no there is no magic formula. There is it's just, you know, like for example, my first development I shared with you earlier that I did a three-unit uh, townhouse site which was, you know, it was riddled with riddled with holding costs and um, you know, VCAT issues and uh, you know the the project cost of building was was blown out, and the whole time frame of the whole project was was you know probably a year and a half longer than what I had anticipated. Um, you know that kind of that my first step looking at what I did there was just not worry about what could drag me down. Um, you know I had made enough money from my first investment to to, to help me fund this, uh, and just just bite the bullet and take the first step and put aside. Um, the negatives as to what can stop you because I mean the negatives can absolutely cripple you and and that's what I find with with my buyers agency right now every customer or most customers I deal with I mean obviously you get some some tenured um, investors that, that have no fear in, in in buying property but there's a lot of people out there that that um you know have have I guess fear of the unknown they're not buying houses on a regular basis and they don't know the the, the, the pitfalls and, and traps in in I guess what what can catch them out. Uh, and basically, I went into it just putting all that aside and just taking my, my my second step into my second my first property. My sorry, my second property, um, but my first development, and putting all the fears aside and just moving forward and taking it step by step. Um, you know, it's, it's it's pretty much like a day by day thing. It's like kind of like having kids. Um, you know, you you look at it having a child and you think, oh jeepers, you know, what do you do with a ten year old? But you don't give birth to a ten-year-old; you give birth to a to a small baby, and and day by day you just take the challenges that come come your way, and and it grows into something big. So that's the same thing with with the developments I took on. They started off with something very simple, and you know slowly I I put plans in place to grow it and take steps in in actually um, you know either renovating or, or or planning and and moving forward slowly till till I got to a point where uh, you know the next chapter unfolded. The best advice he has ever received was to never get greedy and never financially overcommit yourself with loans. It's more around greed, I guess. Um, you know, I, I had I had read a number of books on on not so much real estate developers, but uh, you know, just just wealthy people that have really been successful in life. Um, 
and th- their general general rule of thumb that I kind of learnt and, and is my kind of my belief is that uh, you know pe- people that are supposed to have wealth know how to look after it uh, and they know how to not get greedy. Um, so what that means to me to me is is that if a market changes and things go really bad in in, in Melbourne or Sydney. Um, that's actually not a bad thing. It's actually, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to, I guess, generate wealth. And that's how the, the richest people in the world, you know, create wealth. They, they basically, um, you know, uh, are not loaned out to their eyeballs where they can actually make a, a solid move, even if things are going south in price. Um, and so you're kind of creating opportunity both ways. The market's going up and the market's going down. So what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, I don't, I don't over leverage myself. I'm very concerned about debt. Um, when I do take risks, it's a calculated risk for for a short period of time, and my backup plan and my exit strategy is always implemented. It's never something that I change, uh, and that gives me a lot of strength um, in in the sense of you know I've been doing it for a number of years now, and I have that luxury of uh, being able to um, to I guess make a move either way, whichever way the market moves. In terms of resources, Rybarski has learnt a lot through podcasts and through builders who have been kind enough to share their experiences. Podcasts just like this one, like like yourself, like you, you know, you've got some great stories of, of people, um, and these are just normal people that have had um, that real estate experience. I mean, I've had a lot of that through my real estate career of, of just dealing with a lot of builders and them telling me their story. Like we sit down while we're drawing up a contract, and they would tell me, "Oh yeah, I did this and that, and this is what I did when I was your age, and this is how I've gotten to where I am." Um, and I think that's 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 something that's really powerful. I mean, a real life story, not not a glory story like you you do in some in some kind of investor magazines and so forth. But this is like a real real life story of um, the pains and suffering of, of owning real estate. Um, and you know, I think that that's quite a that's been quite a valuable learning curve for me. Um, I've, I have read a number of books over the years, but your typical kind of you know uh, stories of like really glorified business people like your Richard Bransons and. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki and so forth, um, but yeah, they're, they're quite you know, readily available kind of uh, reading across the globe that, that's, that's very popular and I thought had a really good, good clear message uh, for, for me. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I, I think podcasts are very powerful and um, yeah, to be able to get inspired from these stories and take forth on them is, is the biggest thing that people can do and to, I guess, maybe reach out, like as you said, to, to um, people and learn from them as well. Well, every time I do listen to a podcast or read a magazine, um, you know, most of it is in one ear at the other, but I try and retain one piece of valuable information that's actually going to make me better um, out, of, out of that. And in the sense of me, I mean my business, uh, you know, my investment portfolio, or how I can add value to my clients. And if you can remember one thing from, from, that, from that episode, um, I think that's pretty good. That, that's a valuable thing that you can actually go in and that one thing could be the, the, the make or break one day of a, you know, of a project or a purchase. Rybarski's property development strategy includes starting off with a safe development project, determining the safety by checking the title and council permissions to see if the development is feasible. So look, buying buying a property, just, just you, if you look at your kind of your typical safe kind of development kind of project, um, buying a property um, that has the potential for subdivision is probably a great place to start. So like you buy your, your, your property on a 580 square meter block of land with a nice small house that's positioned right and um, you know, all your, you know, there's a whole number of checks that you need to do on, on the title and, and, and council checks to see if you can actually build on something like that. But that's a great place to start because you don't have to, you don't have to basically do anything with the property until, until you're ready. So you could buy something and hold it for 10 or 15 years. 
Um, and then when you're ready to do your next development, instead of buying another property and paying a huge amount of money, you've already got a block of land sitting there. So I think um, you know that there there is price or entry levels in price brackets of you know all levels in the whole market. You could start in the outer suburbs or you can do inner city depending on how much money you have. And you can buy this kind of property that has that ability to subdivide later on down the track and give you those options and, and um, opportunities in future. So Simplicity is the key to property development when choosing your sites as well as speaking to professionals in the local area. A simple renovation in a small two-bedroom unit at the rear uh, or proposed two-bedroom unit at the rear is, is a great way to do business because it, you know, it's the smallest kind of single-level kind of property you can build that's going to have um, a very low cost to, to actually building uh, and a lot less headache than a, than, you know, a duplex or a double-storey uh, development site or a multi-dwelling site where you've got two or three-plus properties on there. Um, yeah, so I think the best spot to kind of pick something is, is just in simple terms, you really go for something that has good access um, and you, you know, a good-sized backyard and a small front house and have a chat to a, a drafts person or an architect that deals with um, that's local to the area um, essentially, they deal with the local council. They know the rules. They know the building code. That that you know, generally, they give you a rough idea whether you could pull something off or not. Um, obviously, buyers agents or builders that have had experience in this um, are a great area where you can actually get get answers um, on on the feasibility of something like this. Um, real estate agents to say you know you can check market values of what a two bedroom unit sells for in the market and and whether it's worth your while doing something like this and you know moving forward. But yeah, I mean, there's a number of different ways you can do it. But the first one would be is just keep it very simple um, and involve a draft person to uh, that, that that specialises in this kind of work to to draw up some plans, just some um, pre- preliminary kind of um, proposals, uh, and knowing building code and knowing the rules or something, they could tell you pretty quickly within a couple of hours of seeing the site whether you could you could pull something off or you couldn't. Basically, just to walk away and look for something else. Um, the cost in in hiring someone to do something like this is is fairly. Uh, look, it depends how many times you have to do it, but it's not it's not that great considering you know what you could achieve out of it. Um, I think generally they might charge anywhere from three hundred to five hundred dollars to do a, a proposal for you, uh, and that's that's a pretty safe bet. Um, there is a, a range of things, and, you know, a, a number of things that uh, will come after that, but that is the first step you'd you'd basically do just to kind of see if you could um, purchase something that has that ability, and when it comes time to actually uh, I guess doing that, there's a whole whole range of things, but that's a story, I guess, for another time once you once you purchase. So. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Rybarski's biggest challenge when undertaking his first property development. Especially when you, you put so much money and effort into a project uh, and coming to that point where you have a single person that could turn around and say, sorry, we don't agree with you and you know, stamp the hammer and, and basically say, we can, you can't do this project anymore. Uh, is quite a nerve-wracking process. What advice he would give to his younger self? Instead of being worried about, I guess, things failing, just go the full Monty, I guess, and just really push forward and, and, and try your best in the sense of buying a better quality site. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Invest Story. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. 
Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Hey podcast listeners, if you're finding this podcast super informative, then guess what? I'm giving you an exclusive free case study from property investors like this one just for listening. These case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific strategies and numbers of their portfolio. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. With a greater amount of growth accumulated in Rybarski's first property, the compulsion to sell it centered on the desire to speed up the process and use it to fund his projects. The buy and hold is, is a great strategy and I've done that with, with multiple properties um, but I'm finding that obviously it's a, it's a slow process. It's like being a, like being a farmer. You, you have to wait for your crops to grow and then you need to you know, harvest it and, and then get paid on, on your annual, annual pay. Uh, growing property is even slower. Um, you know, you, you, you hold, hold something for 10 or 20 years uh, before you can actually take a really good return out of something. Um, and, and through that time frame, you'll also face a down market as well. So you, you'll watch the property gain value, lose value, then gain value again. So I just wanted something that was, I guess, cut through that and speed up that process and hence my desire to develop properties. Um, like I mentioned, I've done, done a number of prop, property developments over time and um, the, the funds needed for that came from uh, the starting off point of, uh, of you know, owning that first property and selling it and, and that funded a lot of my building. Um, every, I mean, every project I've done is, you know, requires well over a million dollars in the sense of funds. So um, that, that, that's essentially the strategy that I did to, to kind of gain that extra, extra uh, kick or extra cash flow. Um, and the goal of every development I did was to, to basically add value to a property, add a unit, add, you know, renovate a house or, or, or put multiple properties on and sell them off until we have one property that's positively geared. I can say that word correctly. Um, so yeah, so essentially that that was the goal of every development I've done. So I've still kept a property portfolio, um, but obviously we're keeping one property out of the the two or three that we're building uh, until we have a, a a loan that's small enough to, for the rent to manage itself. And the goal of the whole process is, you know, there's an unlimited amount of properties you can own if it's every if everything's positive gearing. But if if things change in your life, uh, and essentially things like your work circumstance, your cash flow, or you, you never know what can happen. Um, having debt is, is obviously creating risk in your life and you want to try and minimise that as much as possible. Unfortunately for Rybarski, his first development project hit an obstacle when he was confronted by VCAT. VCAT's a, a, a Victorian tribunal where uh, if you have a disagreement of some sort um, with regards to developments or or basically anything that that, that um, someone's putting forward to a, you know for, for public building, um, I guess the, anyone in, in within from the public has that opportunity to argue that if if you kind of can't come to an agreement. So it's, it works the same way as like like any any court would, where you would um, have two parties that are opposing, and you'd face a judge and you'd explain your story, and they would explain theirs, and um, the VCAT member or the you know judge would, would basically make that decision whether or not um, you know what's fair and what's reasonable and, and basically award that to the to the people. Um, the problems I had at VCAT were um, the neighbours 
you know, it's pretty simple. They 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 basically just didn't want a development site next to their next to their property that had a a block of land um, for I think a period of 15 years or something like that that was vacant, and I think that they just enjoyed that, and uh, you know, were, were pretty shocked at the idea of having a development site. But you know, I thought I was adding value to the area, was my perspective, and um, I thought I was doing a good thing for the suburb. But um, we had gone to VCAD and. I presented my case and they presented theirs, and thankfully, um, you know, we we've done everything correct in in the sense of our proposal, um, and the the member awarded awarded the project, and we were able to move forward and and, and get our building permits. Um, but it's just the process that was quite challenging. Um, never doing that before uh, is is something that you you can, uh, I guess, bring a little bit of uncertainty, um, especially when you you put so much money and effort into a project, uh, and coming to that point where you have a single person that could turn around and say, sorry, we don't agree with you and, you know, stamp the hammer and, and basically say, we can, you can't do this project anymore. Uh, it's quite a nerve wracking process. So, you know, that, that was quite a, quite a tough challenge being my first one. So, After overcoming this, he built three townhouses and after around 18 months, he completed the proposal. But for those who want to follow in his footsteps, you need to keep the small hidden costs in mind. So it was three double-storey townhouses, uh, three bedroom, one bathroom, one garage or carport. Um, and the first step after building was obviously just like I mentioned earlier, it was just to speak to a drafts person and they put a number of proposals forward and we'd taken that to council um, and you know, back and forth after a period of you know, 16 to 18 months, uh, we'd actually achieved um, what we proposed initially. Um, but that, that then, then thereafter, there's a whole bunch of um, uh, points that we needed to prep or make you know, a preparation for actually building. So connecting things like water and power, and we had to move easements at the rear of the property. So easements are where um, I guess the the stormwater is connected to. Um, so we had to move that. We had to generate. Um, we had to connect power from uh, yeah, the, the other side of the road. And each one of these little steps had hidden costs and. Uh, you know, small headaches that were that were um, that that were discovered along the way, along the journey. Um, every every time we had completed one step or, or, or had one problem solved, it would create something else. Um, so once you kind of come to that final point where you get the final stamp from the council, um, I think you know I had spent uh, an extra forty to fifty thousand dollars in hidden costs, um, in in holding costs and, and site preparation. Learning from this experience, Rybarski believes that choosing the right kind of property is critical as well as surrounding yourself with the right people to help you. So who can help you? Um, people like uh, people like builders have had experience. Obviously, you know, myself being a buyer's agent, we offer the service to, 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 to the public. Um, and people, anyone that has actually really done it multiple times is someone that can really be a huge value to. So like sometimes, you know, you get your uncle or auntie or people that have done developments in, in you know, multiple developments in your family. They're, they're a great um, source of wealth in the sense of how to um, helping you buy something. Um, after once you once you successfully purchase uh, a property and you know you you've, you're sticking to your guns of uh, what you want to do, um, the, the the next next big next big kind of uh, guidance will be a drafts person or architect. Um, they can they can you know give you uh, I guess you know save you so much time in a sense because they know the area, they know the council, they know what is acceptable in that area. Um, and if you know, I'll be looking for things like you know a, a drafts person that has that experience, that has had you know ten plus projects approved, um, and that they actually have the time to. 
to, to, to service you. So, for example, I mean, when you submit um, plans to the council, they'll come back at you and say, look, you need to amend these plans. They're good, but you need to do 25 to, to, to 50 different changes. Um, and if that happens, uh, your draft person needs to be available and, and they have to know basically have that experience and how to successfully pull that off. Uh, and that's why selecting that, that person is is a big deal and you should really interview them and ask questions about their business, how much work they have on and their experience in that kind of work. Um, so those two are the, the, the major ones in, in, in any development site. Obviously, the builder is just as important, but that's later on down the track. I mean, once you come to a point where you've completed the plans, um, you've actually got something that's quite high value. Once you have that red stamp from the council, you've got something that you can actually sell uh, without even doing a development site um, because there's many, many people out there that would be happy to buy an investment property that's got tenants in there and it also has your 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 plans and permits completed for another development site. And, you know, the, these kind of properties are uh, really sought after by a lot of people in Melbourne. So, If you aren't keen on doing the development yourself, another option is to on-sell the property to a small developer for a good fee. A town planner is someone that actually would work in council um, and they they would be the people that a draft person would submit their plans to. Um, so, you know, I think they hire their services out as well and they, they're, they're definitely a good place to, to get advice from. Um, but I find that, uh, you know, especially dealing with councils, everyone's quite fearful of giving you an answer for anything because everyone's worried about legal liability. So approaching people in council um, is is never really a great answer because they just don't they're just not clear they're too scared to say yes or no they all it's a whole bunch of this could be done that could be done and but nothing is for sure um whereas an architect um or a drafts person is is it's just like a step down from an architect but um you know these these people have have actually gotten the approval many times and you can ask questions like can we do this and they can do all the measurements and, and calculate everything and actually give you an answer. Even though it's subject to council approval, um, that can be quite accurate in the sense of what can and can't be done with the property. A habitual hard worker, Rybuski believes an important personal habit he has is to get out there and do what he can while he is young and has the ability. Hard work is just something that, that, it, that, that, I, that I do. Um, you know. I've always got my computer in front of me. I'm always scanning uh, things, even when it's late night and everyone's relaxing watching TV. I've always got. I'm out there. I, I just enjoy uh, enjoy working. I, don't, I guess I'm one of those people that don't know how to relax. Um, you know, every time I complete a project, I say, "Look, I'm going to take a break for a while. I'm not going to not going to do any more projects uh, or do anything like that." And within three or four months, I've repurchased another site. Um, and I think that's just something that's. You know, I've got a never-ending workload, and I've never have that opinion of just taking things easy because. There's just so much opportunity out there and why not take it while you're young and, and you've got the ability to, to do, to, to work. Now's, now's my time and I, and I really believe that, um, you know, just putting your head down and working is definitely the answer. So yep. that, that's probably what, the, you know, it's probably a good answer for your question. <laughs> that is the sound of success. <laughs> yeah. Very, very normal. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Right? There is no magic formula. It's just, you know, work hard and keep trying. I mean, even when you, even when you don't do so well out of something, you, you can, you can, you know, take learnings and the learnings are, are something that, that, that give you uh, intangible value, so to speak. So. so, what would he say to himself 10 years ago? I would focus more on, um, I guess, buying land that was, was, was higher value. Um, you know, even though I did take the step of 
developing sites and being quite fearless in the sense of just moving forward and risking all those funds. Um, I was a little bit of a chicken in the sense of uh, how much money I spent on sites. I would always buy in outer suburbs. Uh, you know, I think my projects would have been a lot more profitable uh, at that time. Um, and just looking back at how the market went, had I purchased in, in, I guess, you know, closer suburbs to the city. So within a radius of around eight kilometres, for example, whereas I was buying like 18, 20 kilometres from the city. So my feedback is, uh, you know, I'll, instead of being worried about, I guess, things failing, just go the full Monty, I guess, and just really push forward and, and, and try your best in the sense of buying a better quality site. Um, that, that, that essentially is what I preach to my customers now. It's, it's not so much about quantity, it's about quality. Uh, and that's what the market pays for. Um, you can go to, you know, I go to many auctions out there where you'll have two properties that are exactly the same in the sense of land size and house size, but one is just finished better. And the difference in sale, sale price is phenomenal um, because it attracts more, more buyers and more competition. And, and obviously the price goes up from there. And that's a learning that I'll, I wish I understood 10 years ago, which I just didn't get and I do now. For the next five years, he is most excited about his plans to continue reducing his debt and consolidating his properties. Minimizing debt um, and, and that's essentially what, what I've been working on the last five years. Um, it's all about you know, doing a development, selling it off and not, not, not earning too much and it's, it's very much the same. I mean, I'm just looking at um, different ways I can do things. I'm actually looking at consolidating my properties, selling everything up and just buying a better quality property in the sense where you might buy... Um, you know, like a six, six to eight hundred square meter block of, you know, or an old house in, in a suburb that's only a few k's away from the centre of Melbourne, um, and 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 doing a, a really good quality investment. And it, it just, the overheads of owning less property um, and you know having a lower debt level is something that is really attractive to me, um, because you know owning multiple properties comes with its own own headaches of bills and and uh, problems with tenants and so forth. So that that brings on a daily basis. So yeah, that, that's probably the next five years for me, just kind of minimising debt and potentially um, minimising the, the volume of properties but not decreasing in the value of what I own. So essentially just buying a better quality um, property that can really throw punches and um, do as much as three or four um, you know, less value properties can. So Yeah, it's definitely all about the quality of the properties rather than quantity. I know uh, I guess property investors who only have maybe about 10 properties but they're extremely good quality and they've actually the equivalent of a property portfolio that has 20 properties and it's less maintenance as well too. When you think those people that have 20 um, properties, they, they, they get 20 rates notices. Uh, they get 20, you know, they get, they get um, 80 quarterly bills for, for rates, for water rates. Um, so, you know, it's a minor nightmare in the sense of balancing all that and just having an oversight of what's going on in, you know, with your finances um, and having a difficult time in understanding what's going on is, is never a great feeling. Um, you know, it can help you, it can lead you to make some pretty bad mistakes because you don't have that clear oversight of where you're standing. So, If you wish to connect with Rybarski and learn more from him and what he does and what he can do to help you in your own journey, visit his company website. We're quite um, available uh, online, so if you just look up uh, Wise Real Estate Advice, um, you know we're, we're quite easily found on, on Google, and we're actually across a number of publications as well. Um, the, you know, our website's a great source of, of um, data on, on you know, different projects and properties that we've purchased, um, and also just 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 stories of um, investing and, and how, how uh, people can actually learn from that. Um, it, it, there's hundreds of pages of 
of information that people can learn from. Um, obviously, just pick up the phone as well and give, give me a call. Happy to have a chat with anyone that, that's um, looking at starting out in, in developing or even if you're a tenure developer and you're looking at, um, I guess, getting assistance. I mean, we're more than happy to answer the phone and, and give you that, that kind of feedback and advice. Um, yeah, we've got a number of buyers agents that, that work with us uh, and that they're able to kind of help you. It doesn't matter you know, where you're kind of looking in Melbourne. We cover, we cover the whole metro area of Melbourne. So... Thank you to Mark Rybarski, our guest on this episode of Property Invest Story. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Simply type in the search bar, Mark Rybarski and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, then head over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com to receive your free case studies. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.